0: Hi, I'm Jen Sherlock, and welcome to my lifestyle podcast, Live Without a Net. The podcast showcases people who live fearlessly and have the ambition to create something. I'll showcase changemakers who have decided to let go of their safety net in order to survive. So let's jump right in. Hi, everyone. I'm Jen Sherlock. Welcome to my podcast, Live Without a Net, and I'm with a good friend of mine, David Goodman. We met in 2008 at Advana Bank in Springhouse, PA. It's a company that's not around anymore, but we had a great relationship there. He helps me write my press releases, and he did a lot of my editing, <laughs> my grammar, all of that. But I learned so much from you, and you were the VP of Communications at the time. Yeah. And now it's what ten years later.
1: Yeah. Crazy.
0: It is crazy, and you're in a different job. You're in um the retail side of commercial real estate. And we'll get to all of that later. But I just want to talk about your journey because I've always been inspired by you. And you have such a a great story of taking risks. And so many people are afraid to open their minds and be brave and go out on their own. So I want to hear what made you be strong enough to get where you are today.
1: Um, Strong enough is an interesting way to put it. I never, I never thought about, about that about me doing that, but I guess it's just been um, opportunities have come up along throughout my professional career. So it's it's just deciding whether to take them or not, and and I think over time you learn to make opportunities. Um, and and so you know I had a good career in the tennis industry at the U.S. Tennis Association, and and I loved it, and wasn't thinking at all about leaving. And then that's when the first opportunity came up and it was to uh, me and a couple of guys had an idea about a tennis television network and, uh, it, it sounded, it sounded cool. And we wrote a business plan, we raised money and then the other guys were like, why don't you come and run it? And I thought, wow, leave my comfortable job that I love. Uh, but it, it was just one of those things I thought, well, what an opportunity i 'll regret it if i don't and and so that was probably the first major risk I took uh, because i I invested money um, and and then I did make a salary when I started, but then as like like many startups we we got going and and we made a decision after only a few months that we got to save money, so I stopped taking a salary um, but was banking on the concept. was banking on myself. And it was an incredible experience. Didn't work out, <laughs> but I don't <laughs> regret it. It was a great experience.
0: Those are the best experiences. And I liked what you said that you knew you would regret it because I'm that type of person as well. You know, we only have this life once.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and the, the biggest thing that I was worried about was uh, there was two aspects of the risk, I think. One was financial, um, but it's not like you didn't have a net. You know, I, I was married at the time and, and my wife worked and I never felt, I certainly felt I would take a financial hit potentially, but I didn't, it wasn't like a life-threatening financial hit. So that was a risk. But to me, the bigger risk was my standing in the tennis industry. I'd been with the U.S. Tennis Association for 10 years. I was pretty well known. I had a good reputation. And this move and what we're doing was a very public thing in the tennis world. I was the public face of this new company, and I thought if I failed, am I out? Like, am I out of tennis? And, and I was very worried about that. Uh, so there was more of a personal risk, I think, than a financial risk. Um, but that turned out not to be the case. I think even though it didn't work out and a, re- a sort of mini recession came when you compare it to the big recession more recently, and our investors went away, we met all of our goals, but our investors weren't there for the second round of funding that they said they'd be there for um, and we kept going for a long time. our employees kept going without being paid for a long time, but in the end, it just didn't work and I found that I actually gained a lot of respect in the industry, which um, surprised me, uh, but it was it was nice. so I think if you do things if you do things right um, then it, it, it can work out even if, even if it doesn't work out financially. So I ended up staying in the tennis industry for the time being anyway, and, until I decided to move, to move on later in later years. But like I said, I don't regret it. I learned, a, I learned a ton from it, uh, raised money, wrote a business plan. Um, that, that's something that will always come in handy down the road and has.
0: And what you said about your fears, they didn't happen then, right? Because so many of us, I think, dwell and we think, including myself, I'm always dwelling of, of the worst. But did that happen to you? It doesn't sound like it. It sounded like it was the opposite.
1: Yeah, I mean, I still had to go find a job. Nobody was <laughs> handing me a job, although that's how I ended up coming to Philly from New York is where somebody in the tennis industry did reach out and said, there's this opportunity in Philly and would you come here? And I did and it was one of the best moves I've ever made. Um, I didn't stay in that job for that long, but um, you know we met at Advana, and I actually sold a big sponsorship to the CEO of Advana when I was only a couple of years into, into my Philly work. Um, and then Dennis Alto, the CEO at Advana, said, why don't you come work for me? And I said, well, it's a financial services company. I don't have any background in finance. And it's a publicly traded company where I'd be the head of communications. And I said, I don't don't have any experience there. But thankfully, he said, you know, you'll figure it out. And I thought, oh, okay. (laughs) Whatever you say. I'd never done, I'd never worked for a big corporate entity. So I thought, I should try that. I should see what the corporate life is like. And it was an interesting experience. I mean, it was something I'd never done. And I did it for about five and a half years until then I went belly up in the big recession. Uh, but again, I don't, it wasn't something that I thought I'd, I'd do for the rest of my life. I didn't, but it was a great experience and learned from it. And
0: Same. It was my favorite job. And before that, I was a TV reporter and anchor and again, didn't have a corporate job, but I feel the same as you. I mean, if I look back, that was my favorite, most exciting job. And I learned so much and I loved the atmosphere yeah. there. So it is interesting, but I think Advana had that great culture. So it's a shame it's not around anymore where people gave chances.
1: Right. Right. So talk um, about
0: when we all got laid off and your next move, because I find that so interesting. I'd want you to tell the story, but I know you took a big financial risk and I want people to hear about.
1: How yeah, sure. It so that, that's probably, that may be my biggest risk. I'm 42 years old at the time and and I was looking for a job. I, I did get some consulting stuff and and uh, for a while, but I, I didn't want to just be a consultant, um, you know, doing three month or five month gigs. Um, so I met I met the guys that own Equity Retail Brokers, um, a retail real estate brokerage. And I did some a little consulting work for them, and they said, do not you come on board as an agent?" And I said, "Is that 100 percent commission?" And they said, "Yes," and my, literally, my first response was, I said, F no. (laughs) (laughs) I said, I've never been 1% commissioned, let alone 100%. So a little time went by, and I did a little more work for them. And they asked me again. And at the time, I had gotten a couple job opportunities for big companies, sort of mid-level jobs. I had never been mid-level in my life. And I don't think Frankly, I, my ego, it wouldn't work. <laughs> uh, you know, if I walked by the conference room where the decision makers were, I'd be like banging on the window, being like, let me in.
0: Right, exactly. So
1: um, I decided that I got to just have faith in myself and, and, and do it. And again, there was the financial risk. Um, historically, I'd always made a good salary, and, and now I wasn't going to make any salary and be in a new In a new industry. Um, And then there was the personal risk of, like, am I going to be a failure? You know, and then what am I going to do? And, but in the end, it was just the belief and the faith in myself that if I set my mind to this and I work really hard, this isn't rocket science. It was just like joining Advana when I didn't have any of the experience required for the job. It's not rocket science. You can figure it out. And, and so I, I accepted the position to be a real estate agent and I asked the partners, I said, if, if I do a good job and I meet whatever requirements you may have, would you consider letting me be your partner down the road, whatever time frame that is? Um, can I buy part of this company down the road? And we made a handshake agreement that they said, okay. Um, but there was no written requirements. There wasn't You know, you just do a good job and fit in was the requirement. And that was up to them completely. Um, But four years later, uh, I bought a part of the company and been a partner ever since. And um, the real estate work is fine. It's a job. But what gets you up every day is growing the company with partners who you like and respect. And that's the fun part of it.
0: Yeah, and I like what you said, figure it out. I've heard that a couple times in this interview, basically that Dennis Alter told you that and when he brought you on and then when you took your next jump at your next venture in real estate, you figured it out. Because I'm a big believer in, you know, sink or swim. That's the only way to learn.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it would, it's, it was a lifestyle change because being a broker, if you, if you want to work nine to five, it's not the job for you. It just, because there's, you're never you're never off duty. You know, the phone's always by your side and your clients aren't nine to five people. So you can't be nine to five. And, um, there's the research part of it and the, and the behind the scenes work, you know, you don't want to do that Monday through Friday when you're on the phones or you're out on the road. So there's nights and there's weekends. Uh, but, uh, on the other hand, the lifestyle part of it allowed me to coach my daughter's softball team and you know, leave at two or three o'clock when I had to, or go watch my daughter's swim meets and and to be able to be at a three 30 swim meet. So it's, it's not that in your office, nine to five job, you do have freedom. If you're performing, you have freedom. You know, our agents who aren't performing, we want to see them in the office. We want to help them and we want to be able to monitor what they're doing and help them be successful. But if you are successful, you make your own schedule. You come and go as you please. If you're getting the work done and, and making the deals and bringing in the commissions, you, you, can, you can have that flexible lifestyle. And, and that's priceless. I mean, that, that's, that's really nice to, to have. Um, but you're going to work your tail off to, to have that. And every year, you start at zero. So there's that stress and that pressure. But um, it's good pressure.
0: I agree. It's adrenaline keeps you going. Yeah. I feel like it's a certain type of mindset you have to have to, to either have a like a no commission job or just be an entrepreneur and have to make every sale yourself. I feel like it's, it's definitely a personality type that I don't think everyone can do. I think it's possible, but I just think, you know, some people, like you said, prefer the nine to five life.
1: Right. And, and listen, I, I, there's sometimes I miss having every two weeks, you know, having a salary dumped into my bank account right you know it's it's you can certainly plan much easier that way you know i I do projections i kind of see what's what's going to be coming in for me or what i think is going to be coming in but you know you got to be able to uh fiscally manage your life you know this you got to do the same thing you know it's and so there's that's different and you got to be able to handle that um but like i said it's not rocket science and if you want it you know, you can do it. And, um, it's just that mindset that, that we've talked about before that opportunities are around every corner, you just gotta, you live with your eyes open. And, and if you do that, good things can happen. Um, but you, you gotta make them happen.
0: Right. It's like, I know it's a book I once read, but it's like, you know, there's a couple different pathways in life, you know, and you just got to look for the signs, you know, you meeting Dennis Alter just by selling him a sponsorship that led you to an awesome job for five and a half years. I mean, that's the kind of stories that I think if people do open their eyes, they're probably meeting someone every day that could, that they're like one step away from changing their life or their career.
1: Yeah. The folks at Equity Retail Brokers found me because I put an ad on Craigslist at the time saying that I can, that I'm a marketing consultant and communications consultant. And, uh, that's how they found me. Their marketing director called me and said, we're looking for somebody to write an article on us for a magazine. And, uh, it was one of those things where, you know, you, you you buy an ad in the magazine and you get an article that you, you got to provide the magazine with. They didn't want to write it themselves. And that's how they found me. And it's, you just never know. You never, how stuff is going to happen.
0: So true. Um, and I briefly want to talk about just, the state of the economy where we are, obviously there are so many jobless Americans and, you know, any advice for them in this time that, you know, anything that you'd want to, you know, let people know who are struggling or contemplating a career change.
1: Yeah. I think even it's, you know, in recent years, it's been important to have that, that public social profile, Um, whether it's LinkedIn or, or Facebook, Instagram, whatever it is, I think especially LinkedIn is, is probably the, the one more than any other, just if you're looking for a job or looking for opportunities, but um, it's you just got to be out there. And pre-COVID, I would say, you got to be out there physically. You know, you go to whatever social networking or networking opportunities there are, you know, those will come back. They're not really there right now. But Jen, you're a great example of an online presence. You know, I may not talk to you for a period of time, but I feel like I always know what you're doing. (laughs) <laughs> and I know who your clients are because you're telling me in yeah. the places that I look, I see it.
0: Thank you. And,
1: and that's important. So I think it's just being out there, but then, then it's, it's that idea of having your eyes wide open, like your, your friends and your family, they're all prospects for you. They're all connections to you, to a job or to an opportunity. And so it's, it's never hesitating to talk about it. Like, You know, we've learned for many years about the importance of an elevator pitch. And, but it's true. Like, you never know who's going to walk in that elevator with you. And you got 30 seconds to make that impression. Right. About why they want to know you and why they want to talk to you further. It's the same thing when you're hanging out locally at your house or you meet a friend in the grocery store. Um, You want to give them the impression that you're somebody worth talking to, that you're worth. Them making an introduction, you know, for it for an opportunity. It's it's, it's just always keeping your eyes wide open, and um, you know, it's you can't just surf the internet looking for the jobs that are posted. You know, it's it, that's that's just not enough.
0: It's all about relationships too. It is it is yeah. Like they say, who you know, in a lot of ways, not everything, but I feel like I try to like harness all my relationships because you never know where they could lead. That's why I try to make enough time, especially before COVID. Like you had said, you know, go to coffee meetings, go to lunch meetings, go to happy hours, events, yeah. because I always thought, you know, they may not be hiring you, but they might know someone that can. So I always yeah, I think if
1: you have a, a target, if you know what you want to do, uh, then make yourself an expert. And, and what I mean by that is when I got into retail real estate, I learned that from a le- if you're going to be a leasing agent, that. Grocery-anchored shopping centers, are the, that's, the, that's the top. Those are the A centers because grocery drives are the retail and, and retailers want to be around the grocery stores. And, and that's still true to this day. And so I asked my partners, uh, my bosses at the time, I said, who are, who are the experts in our world? Who are the brokers who are experts in the grocery industry? And they said, there really aren't any. There's nobody that presents themselves that way. So I thought, and I told him, I said, all right, then I am. And I started doing a ton of research and, on all the major grocery brands that are in our market. And I started blogging. Of course, nobody's reading my blog because who would know it's there. But then I would push it out to uh, a thousand or so people that we had a list of all the landlords and the whole grocery industry. And it didn't take that long. Where I'd be at a meeting and somebody would say, oh, "You're the grocery guy." I, I got your emails. Thanks. And then I got the when Jannardi's was here and they were a big grocer and they they, they closed all their stores. I got the Gennardi disposition account because of my blog, because I kept sending my blog entries to the Jannardi's people. They never responded, and then one day they called and 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 said, "We need somebody to to lease all our stores." Um. So it's. I truly believe you can make yourself into something. It's, and, and maybe it's part smoke and mirrors.
0: <laughs> right.
1: Uh, you know, if if you decide you want to be the grocery expert, then just, then just become it and then tell people that you are it. Right. And then prove it by sending them what you've done.
0: Exactly. I'm a big proponent of that as well. Yeah, because if you actually follow through with your actions, that's what it's about. It's not just the relationship getting their attention, but if you actually prove it, Right, the secret sauce. I think where people will look at you as a more credible person,
1: and then it's and you got to keep doing it. I've been blogging about the grocery industry. Um, It's called running with equity retail. You can Google the blog, but (laughs) uh, I've been blogging about the grocery industry for almost ten years now. It's a pain in the neck.
0: Yeah, I want to oh. hear about that as well. We talked about- oh, Never new- stop. <laughs> yeah, never stop. Keep keep going. I always tell people, you can't stop. Once you give up, that's when it all falls apart. Yeah. But talking about grocery, um, you said that there's some new type of stores coming to the Philadelphia area and other cities. I want to hear about that because I just, you know, just from reading articles, I always hear the big box stores are going away, retail's changing, everything's online. Is that true?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's certainly some change, but grocery, you know, grocery is not changing as much. Although. Uh, it's changed from just your traditional grocery store, your Shoprite, your Giant, or your Acme, which used to be the leader in Philly, um, and now there's all sorts of other formats. You got your real large formats like your, you know, your WalMarts and your Targets and your Costcos and your BJ's, and you get your smaller formats, the discounters like Aldi and Lidl, who are killing it right now and 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 doing and growing a lot. I mean, seven eight years ago, the experts said that. Philadelphia was an overgroceried market. There are there's more grocery stores than we need, and all we've done since that time is add grocery stores by the hundreds, and they're all still doing pretty well. and uh, And now the newest player coming into our market is Amazon. Uh, Amazon, as you know, owns Whole Foods, uh, but they're coming in with about a forty thousand square foot traditional grocery store. Um, that's going to compete with the Giants and ShopRites and the Aldis and the Lidls. And there are some already slated for Philadelphia. There's there's a couple slated for Bucks County. And there's more coming. They've opened up two, their first two in California. Uh, But uh, like I said, Philly's one of their markets and they've already made deals here. Uh, And so they're coming. And they're really, really cool stores. I mean, you, you get a, it's a smart cart. You know, it's a, uh, you can, you can ask out loud, where is so-and-so and And Alexa is going to answer you. You can ask for what ingredients you need for something and Alexa will answer you. You you put something in the cart and your cart knows it's there. So when you're done, you just walk out the store. Unbelievable. It'll automatically go on your credit card. There's no checkout. Just walk your stuff out and ding, your credit card's been, you know, been dinged and you've paid. I mean, it's the cutting edge of supermarket technology. And once Amazon rolls it out uh, with that, we'll start seeing that with the other grocery stores because they're going to have to follow.
0: When do we expect that? In 2021?
1: I'm not sure if I think it's possible that there may be a couple in 2021. But then uh, I think certainly in, in 22, more will follow. But I think the first, the first couple may be open in, uh, in 2021. That's certainly possible and then uh quickly you mentioned retail as a whole um you know a number of years ago they thought that online would kill bricks and mortar and that that hasn't happened um the the major retailers have realized they need both they need the strong online presence but they need the physical presence and all the bankruptcies we've seen especially during covid for the most part none of those were a surprise Those were, those bankruptcies were probably going to happen anyway, just would have taken longer. But the major retailers, the major landlords have expected uh, a lot of these for a long time. And there's still not a lot of vacant space. It gets filled. And that's the great thing about a capitalistic entrepreneurial country like ours. Uh, Retail is fine and it will be fine uh, because when there's a vacancy, somebody looks at it and says, I can do something there, uh, and and it may take longer than to fill vacancies. Sometimes than it, than it does in other times. It all depends on the economy, but they get filled, and uh, and they will continue to get filled, and 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 retail will be fine.
0: And people can get some great deals right now. I hear.
1: Yeah, well, it's it's. Not really in, in retail real estate. Um, prices haven't come down because of COVID in terms of lease rates and, and, and sale prices on properties. Um so because it's still active. Um, there was a few months when COVID started that it was pretty slow. But uh, in the last couple of months, since summer really, um, from a retail brokerage standpoint, we're busy. Restaurants are doing a lot of, are doing a lot of business and, and are opening a lot of Uh, new stores. Um, Medical is still pretty active. The one category that's kind of died is fitness, that small format boutique fitness um, is very quiet for the time being because of COVID.
0: Yeah, it's sad. Well, even on Walnut Street last night in Philadelphia, I guess I see so many, it's mostly stores boarded up still. I know it's a different scenario in the cities, in the suburbs, it's not a problem, but I'm surprised there's not even a decline in in the cities. But... You know, yeah, and you know, and
1: the city may the city may be a little different um, than out in the suburbs. Um, but yeah, in the suburbs generally speaking, um, there there has not been landlords aren't lowering their lease rates um, and and sellers aren't necessarily having to lower it too much. it's It's still fairly active.
0: Good to know. And just because there are so many people that are you know sad, this is a dismal time with everything going on with the economy and the election and there's so much. 2020 has thrown us all for a loop. Um, do you have any advice for people on how to get through those those sad days, those down days, since we're all kind of struggling? I don't know anyone that hasn't struggled through this in some capacity.
1: Yeah, I think it's just an understanding of of peaks and valleys. Um, that's certainly, you know, you and I go through that being in the, in the, you know, getting clients and sometimes you have more and sometimes you make more deals than others. So it's, you know, it's those, understanding that there are peaks and valleys and so if you're in a valley right now it it just means that the peaks are coming and they always do come you know sometimes they may take longer and it's a it's a longer wait but you work through it and the peaks always come and as bad as 2020 has been it's november it's over soon
0: thank god i'm counting down the days absolutely (laughs) Um thank you so much. And again can I let people know uh, how to find you because I think you had some great advice even for you know young people trying to get into real estate. So people may listen to this, you know young folks or even people considering to change their industry. Do you want yeah, sure. to share to you?
1: Yeah, I have I've proven it's never too late. Um, <laughs> equity Retail Brokers is the company and equityretailbrokers.com is our website. And if you want if you do want to check out my blog, it's running with equity running with equity retail. Um, and that's probably the easiest, easiest way to find me and uh, I respond so hit me up
0: the grocery guy everyone well that's it for now thanks everyone for joining us please reach out to me so I can feature you on my show I do respond to everyone you can find me on my Instagram at Jennifer Sherlock or my business Instagram at Jenna and check out our new website coming soon livewithoutanet.com. thanks again and I look forward to taking risks with you